Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. I saw a story on the news the other day. I love the news. The news is so awesome. I don't even remember what news service it was. How many of you follow like three different news services? Like, got to have a little MSNBC, a little Al Jazeera, a little Fox, a little Breibart, a little bit of everything. Or how many of you just don't read anything at all? I know you just only read your Bibles. You're like the Smith Wigglesworths. The only book you ever read was the Bible. But I was reading the story in the news. I guess I read news now more for entertainment than anything else. But it was this story where a man in Kentucky, how many are glad it's not Florida man this time? It's Kentucky man this time. A man in Kentucky was paid $450,000 in a lawsuit that he won because his place of employment threw him a birthday party. Anybody see this in the news? $450,000 because he said, I don't want a birthday party, but they forgot, threw him a birthday party, and he sued the company and won for $450,000. We have eliminated happy birthdays from our church from now on. You're not allowed to enjoy your birthday. And he said the reason for this was because he had bad memories of birthdays, and I don't know what happened with his birthday, but apparently he had a pretty bad one. And every time his birthday comes up, any mention of happy birthday, and he gets, oh, this is my new favorite word, triggered. It triggered me to the point where I suffered so much mental affliction I could no longer do my job. I couldn't function in society. My whole life was ruined because you threw me a birthday party. And I got triggered. I love this word triggered. I used to love issues. That was my favorite one for a while. And now it's this word triggered. I want to read to you from Mark chapter 10. So if you brought your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 10. If you didn't, we've got it on the screen here. And who knows, Joyce might hear from God. We may not move off one of these verses. And so if the slides don't change, just assume that it's the Holy Spirit that actually did that. Mark chapter 10. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. You can hear this guy going through the list. Not murder, check. Got that one. Uh, Adultery, check. Haven't done that one. Steal, check. Great, I've done it all. Verse 21, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lacked. Somebody turn next to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor and say, it was only one thing. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, I hope he doesn't ask me to turn to my neighbor again 
because this is always awkward when preachers ask you to do this in church. And if you're sitting on an aisle, just look straight ahead awkwardly because it's weird to say something to your neighbor across the aisle. It was how many things? One thing. One thing you lacked. How did Jesus look at him? He loved him. We're going to come back to that. It's very important. One thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his word. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. It's a pretty popular scripture, right? All things are possible, or I can do all things through him who strengthens me. People tend to shorten that now. Have you noticed that? I can do all things. And they leave out the last part, you know? Anyway. First thing I want you to understand about this scripture You can all breathe a big sigh of relief, okay? It's not about money. Everybody, this is not the offering talk. It's not about money. What was it about? One thing. This one thing you lack. It was about the one thing. It just happened to be that money was this guy's one thing. Why did Jesus say it's so hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Because all of us have at least one thing. We all have a trigger. We all have something. When God touches that thing in our hearts, we're like, hey, 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 hang on. You you already read I didn't get a divorce and I didn't, or commit adultery rather, and I didn't didn't steal or murder. (laughs) You can leave that one alone. It's one thing. And Jesus had just happened to touch the one thing. Why is it hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven? It's because that one particular thing has a really sharp claw. And it's the thing that the devil can get into people that's really hard to get off of. Maybe it's because the world puts so much value on money. That is one particularly strong hook. But it may not be money for you. It may not be money for me. There may be another thing that when the Lord comes to you, And says, hey, this one thing you lack. I pray that our heart's response is not to hang our head and walk away sadly. Because we really like that one thing. Or because that one thing, when it triggered, created so much pain for us. That we had to walk away sad. Because no one else knows that about me. I don't want anybody else to know that about me. And everyone that I have seen and everything that I've done has been powerless to change the one thing. So I'd rather just live with it and manage it myself because I've been doing this for so long. It plagues me. I'm sick. I'm weak. But at least I've learned how to manage it. And we walk away sad. You understand demons can't be managed, right? Demons can't be managed. 
When you've got something that's got a demonic stronghold in your life, you can't manage it. You can try to suppress it. You can try to hide it. But ultimately, it's going to come out one way or another. Isn't it interesting? Jesus said, how hard is it for anyone to enter the kingdom of God? Like anybody, not just the rich, but he actually said, how hard is it for anyone to enter the kingdom of God? So what happened to this, this rich man? Like when you think about this, he was only asking the question about how to inherit eternal life. By the way, a little side note, can you see there's something wrong with the question? The man asked, what must I do to inherit? What do you do to get an inheritance? Nothing. Inheritance is given, right? You don't do anything unless you murder the person who's leaving you the inheritance. Well, I guess that's what they ended up doing anyway, wasn't it, you know? So you don't do anything. So there's already a problem with the question. But how many of you appreciate that Jesus sees through our questions and gets to the root of the issue? But he didn't just say, do this and you'll inherit life. He said, come follow me. It's possible this man was invited to even be one of the 12. Nicodemus faced a certain or a similar situation with Jesus too. What an invitation. Can you believe that this man's one thing potentially kept him from being one of the disciples? I find that hard to believe. And then the Holy Spirit's like, remember that one thing I keep touching on you? The question is not, have you done all of the things? The question is, what will you do when Jesus touches the one thing? Because that one thing, that can create a trigger in us, right? Everyone's got one thing. I remember, um, so for the last couple of years, I keep having these chronic calf injuries. And it usually happens because um, sort of towards the end of my triathlon season in the fall, I start a build for a marathon in March, and so I start adding more miles, try to do it slowly, but always around the December time frame, I get this calf injury that's the kind of pain that's like the stop now pain, like not, not the sore pain that's like just kind of work through it, ice a little bit. It's like no, stop right now, limp home, don't do anything. And so it happens every season, and it's almost like you come to expect it, right? And which is not a good thing at all, but it's like, how long can I get before? And once I have this injury, it's like, I can't run for at least two weeks, sometimes three weeks. <laughs> but what I do is instead of like fixing what the problem is, I know that if I rest for two or three weeks and then slowly start to run and add some miles back again, then hopefully it'll stay away. And so I, I finally, it happened again a couple, about a month ago. And uh, I decided I'm actually going to go try something different because what I did once is I went to an orthopedic surgeon. You ever have something wrong with you and you're like, I don't know if I need a primary care, a specialist, do I need a referral, do I need it? You know what? I'm just going to rest it. Forget it. It's not worth the effort, right? So I went to an orthopedic surgeon and the orthopedic surgeon who didn't even really see me, but I described what happened and he goes, oh yeah, there's this little sheath that runs down here. And how old are you? And I was like, how old, how old I was? And he goes, yeah, it's pretty common for guys your age, but sometimes that thing just tears. And once it does, you won't have any pain anymore. You won't even notice about it. Happens all the time. And I'm like, that's the oddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so doctor, what do you suggest I do? He goes, you ever tried to run through it? And I'm like, let me describe to you this pain. I, I, 
I have a very, fairly high threshold of pain, and I can endure some pain, but this is not that. This is like the stop right now pain. And he goes, well, sometimes it's just got to fully rupture, and then you'll be fine. So just try running through it once. My brain, you got to understand me. I said, Remy, let's go down to the Dismal Swamp Canal, and I'm going to run till it ruptures. Let's go. It's a doctor that said it, right? He's an orthopedic surgeon. He knows what he's talking about. What do I know? I'm going to go do it. So we go out. They get on their bikes, and I'm like running down, and oh, oh, there it is. Let's run through it. And it's like, okay, I'm sure that relief will come at some point in time. And of course, it always ruptures when you're like the furthest point away from the car. It's like, all right, three weeks later. Kind of heals up. It's like, all right, I'll start back running again. Three weeks after that, happens again. I'm like, well, that didn't work. Sometimes just pushing through something isn't the answer, is it? So I finally decided a couple of weeks ago to go to a physical therapist. I was like, let me try one of those. And, you know, I, I, uh, it's funny because when I play basketball, it's like you just go to the trainer. They know everything. So everything's right there. You just walk in, the, you know. But now you got to seek out and figure out where you're supposed to go. So I went to a physical therapist and described, and he's, hmm, that's interesting. Tell me more. And then when, okay, and when does that happen? And both of them, okay, taking notes. You ever see doctors do that and you're like, are they just returning emails? <laughs> what is he writing down? And she goes, let me try some exercises with you. It kind of felt around, does that hurt? Oh, it's not really that sort of the touch. And he goes, all right, come and stand against this wall and just do some calf raises. I said, well, it's actually, believe it or not, Calf raises aren't that bad. It's when, I, it's when I plant, when I land like that is when it does it. And he goes, okay, so do 10 of them. I said, all right, one, two. I said, it's a little sore, but not too bad. And he goes, now bend your knees and try it. And I just went, ah! What did you do? Is there a sniper back here somewhere? What just happened? I was like, I can't lift my heels up. And he goes, that's what I thought. I got triggered. Like, it triggered exactly what the pain was. I had not been able to duplicate it to figure out what is it that's actually hurting. And Romy knows all this anatomy, so she's describing all this stuff. But, you know, even she wasn't able to diagnose it. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's your soleus. I went, okay, fix it. (laughs) Wave your magic PT wand over it. And he goes, see, what happens is you've got these two big muscles. One of them's on the outside. It's called the uh, gastric. And then you've got one underneath it that is called the soleus. And he goes, your gastric is really strong, but your soleus is quite weak. So your gastric keeps compensating and doing all the work. But at some point, that soleus just goes further than it's able to, and it just quits on you. And that's why you keep getting injured light bulbs going off. I'm like, oh my gosh. I finally found the one thing, the one thing that was creating this pain. You see, I knew I had experienced pain and I knew something had triggered, but I actually didn't know what that thing was. And so I knew the general area of the injury, but I was, I couldn't put my finger on what it was. And all, even other experts are like, oh yeah, it's this. They were so sure it was this thing. And it was not that thing. And actually made it worse. But finally, I I had somebody that was able to put his finger on the exact problem of what it was. So 
Finding the one thing is the beginning of healing. Jesus found this man's one thing. This one thing you lack. Everybody say it's only one thing. This one thing that you lack. I knew I was in pain, but I wasn't sure why. You know, sometimes when, when, when you get triggered, when we get triggered, we don't actually know what it is that got triggered. We just know how we feel. And we walk around and we go, why am I angry? Why am I feeling so disconnected from the family? Everybody else here is lost in worship and I'm bored. What's going on? Why is it at Christmas time, I can't stand it like I dread going into Christmas or Thanksgiving? Or why is it, I don't know why I feel this way, I just know how I feel. I thank God for my triggers because they actually reveal the places that need healing. That's what I got. Oh, that's it. That's the one. I didn't know what to call it. I didn't know how to diagnose it. I just knew whatever I just did, I don't ever want to do that thing again. But he's like, oh, good. Now that I see where the pain is, I can tell you exactly where it is. That's the first step. You know the expression that water goes to the deepest level? When we open up our hearts to God, when we begin this process of revival that we've been teaching for however long we've been a church, it, it's the water of the Holy Spirit that, that gets deep into our hearts and it always settles to the lowest level. That thing on the bottom that you didn't want people to see, that's what the water goes to. And it goes to the very point, the very place of that pain. And it washes it away. Because Jesus doesn't touch your pain to manipulate it and to make it worse. He touches it because he wants to heal it. You see, the devil wounds, but Jesus heals. He didn't put the wound there. But when you let the water go deep, it washes away the pain, and then guess what water does after that happens? It goes a little bit deeper. But you're only ever dealing with what was ever on the surface. See, I know, if you're like me, you're like, I got so many triggers. If you do these all at one time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. And he's like, just one thing. Let's do one thing at a time. And so what we need to learn how to do is when we get those trigger, those pain points, is we invite the water. We invite Jesus into our hearts to go to the lowest place so that he can heal the thing that's creating the pain. And then once that's gone, then he can go to the next thing. Okay, let's deal with some family issues. Let's deal with some unforgiveness that's in your heart. Let's deal with some sin issues. It's just one thing, but it's one thing at a time. And you keep letting him wash away the thing until there's only one thing that remains. I laugh when you guys pick songs. We sang that song, this one thing remains. Well, keep letting the water of the Holy Spirit do its work until the only thing that remains is him. Then you can worship and say, this one thing remains. This one thing remains. But you got to let him in. You got to remember, we read, Jesus looked at him and loved him. It wasn't like, Jesus is like, I'm going to show this guy up. He thinks he's hot stuff. And he's going through his list. Boom, boom, boom. And he's like, ha ha, here it comes. You ready? Trigger, told you, weren't going to make it. You don't tithe. Get out of here. No. He looked at him and loved him. Because Jesus knew. I get to touch the one thing 
and I can heal it. I can wash it away and make you new. He looked at him and he, see, when Jesus wants to touch those places in our heart, we've been taught, no, not that one. You can have me, Lord, but not that. But he goes, no, no, that's it. It's why worship can be so difficult sometimes, because you can't hide stuff when you worship. When you open your heart to God, and in this presence of worship, you feel the pull. You feel the tug. You feel the touch of Jesus who loves you. But when we get triggered and we go back to our old way of doing things and we're like, nope. Then we stay wounded. Jeremiah 29.11. Probably a scripture that a lot of people love to memorize and it's a good one. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Can you understand that when Jesus touches these trigger points in your heart, he doesn't do it to harm you. He does it to heal you. We, we, we've got these dogs, these three Yorkies. It's so funny. Rummy, can you stand up here for a second? Real quick. Now, these dogs, when Rummy gets home, Rummy's the alpha in the house. How many are not surprised that Rummy is the alpha in our house, right? Apostle Rummy. A is for apostle, not alpha. And so when, when these dogs come in, sometimes they're super, super excited, like, oh, oh, he's home. It's so, it's so cool. But then something funny happens. If she goes and sits down on the couch, do you know what they do? They, they run up to her like this, and they go. <laughs> and you know what that means? I want you to scratch my belly. It's so cute. Like, they'll walk up, and at, at first they're kind of like, like Taft will just kind of, can I, can I maybe, can I maybe? And then after a while, they learn to just run right up and immediately, I mean, our, our female dog, Lula, is like totally spread out. <laughs> you can have all of me. <laughs> it's so funny. Thanks, honey. Do you know why they do that? It's not just... Like, it's a, it's a complete surrender. That dog is no more vulnerable in that moment. Like, for a dog to expose their underside, that's weakness. That's vulnerability. It takes complete trust that I know when I expose the, the underside of my being that I'm going to get pats. I'm not going to get beaten. Right? They don't do that to me, by the way. But they roll over. I don't beat my dogs. Did I just say no. But there's total trust, and they know that you've got something that I need, and I can't provide for myself. When Jesus touches the one thing, I pray that we just go, ah, I'm ready. The bravest men I know, the bravest men I know are the ones that know how to go. I'm ready to heal. I get so mad at the world that teaches men, heal yourself, toughen up. Yeah, you had it rough, so what? So do I. Live with it. And yet Jesus keeps putting his finger on that thing in you. And I pray that as men, I've had to learn to roll right over. 
I know you, and I know that what you have for me is good. I know that I can't provide that for myself. I know no one else can provide that. And so I am submitting myself not to your punishment and judgment. I'm submitting myself to your love. Jesus loved him. He looked at him and loved him. Keep letting him heal the one thing until the only thing left is him. Second thing I wanted to share with you is that there aren't enough rocks. (laughs) Anybody ever seen Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump? There's a scene in Forrest Gump, his, his, his love interest in this, his best friend Jenny, where they're having a great time. They're hanging out together and they're kind of going from friends to sort of becoming a couple. And she walks up to her, the house where she grew up and obviously Jenny had been abused as a child, severely abused. And here she is having a great time with Forrest walking along until she sees the house and she gets triggered. And it takes Forrest a little back a bit. Because she walks up and she just starts, the house is abandoned now, but she's throwing rocks. She's breaking windows and she's screaming and she throws until she doesn't have any strength left in her arm and she just falls in a heap and cries. And Forrest says, I think sometimes there's just not enough rocks. You know, the answer to your pain is not throwing rocks. You're only going to get healed when you finally learn to put the rocks down and roll over. Say, God, you got all of me. Stop throwing rocks. Stop rehearsing the hurt. Rocks don't heal. Jesus heals. Well, how do I know when I'm healed? See, that was the problem with me. I would always, I would go do a race, get hurt, take two weeks off, and then go do another race, because I schedule them that way, and then I get hurt again, I'm like, well, I got two more weeks before the next one, and it would heal, and then I'd go right back in, and it's like, at what mile is it going to happen again? And I get hurt, now I got to wait three weeks. It was just this cycle of healing and hurt, healing and hurt, but that's not really healing if you keep getting hurt the same way over and over again. you got to stop throwing rocks. But you don't know what they did to me. Can I get a coffee with you, Pastor? I need to tell you how all these things happened to me. I need to tell you about the hurt. And I used to have a pastor friend that when he said this, I thought it was a little bit harsh. But I think there's some truth to it. He goes, yeah, you can tell me, but only once. Because if you keep coming back and telling me the same thing, you're just rehearsing the pain all over again. The problem was that pastor probably wasn't great at being able to help people get rid of the pain. This is somebody else that y'all don't know. But he was right about the fact that if I just keep rehearsing it, it's just throwing rocks and there's, there's just not enough rocks in the world to heal what only Jesus can heal. Healing requires forgiveness. How do I know when I'm healed? I am healed of my triggers when I feel God's pleasure over the people that wounded me. Not when I forgot, not when I stopped thinking about them. 
But it's that when you think about them, you feel God's pleasure over them. That's healing. I'm not all the way there yet with everybody. But I know that when I know that I'm healed and set free is when I feel God's pleasure over them. Last thing here is that healing takes more than rest. You see, I just kept resting, getting hurt, resting, getting hurt. But it wasn't until I saw this physical therapist that it wasn't rest that I needed. I actually needed to strengthen that soleus. That muscle that kept getting hurt, it kept getting hurt because it was too weak. But I couldn't do the work because of the pain. Do you see what I'm saying? And so when I went to see him, he gave me an appropriate level of exercise that I could do until I got enough strength in it where I would not get wounded in that place again. He even suggested this thing called dry needling. Anybody ever heard of dry needling? Apparently, you take a needle, stick it right in the trigger point. A needle. How many of you are triggered by needles just in saying that? That was trigger enough, right? Trigger. They put it right in there, and they just kind of move it around. Just move it around. Stick it in, move it around. Pull that out, go to another one, stick it in, move it around, move it around. And I'm like, what is this? Is that somehow going to fix all this? And so I asked him, I was like, what's, what's the point of dry needling? Look, I'll do anything, but what's the point? And he told me, he says, the dry needling releases the trigger point. But I want you to understand why. The needling goes right to the place of pain, gets rid of the trigger so that you can do the work. It blew my mind. I was like, wait a minute. Isn't pain relief the thing I'm looking for? He goes, no, it's strength. But the dry needling relieves the pain so that you can do the work to get the strength you need so you don't keep coming to see me. I said, hang on, you're a doctor that doesn't want me to come every week and spend my money here? He goes, well, I do, but the reason for the needle was to release the pain so you can do the work. But he goes, you don't need the needle. Thank you, Jesus, I don't yet need that dry needle. But I realized if I'm not willing to do the work, I'm just going to keep getting hurt. Healing takes work. That's hard to hear sometimes. I know. It takes work. Sometimes rehab is harder than the practice. But the point of the needle, the point of Jesus touching that trigger point was so that you could do the work. This rich man that Jesus said this one thing, Jesus stuck the needle into his heart and said, there's only one thing. How many of you would be so grateful if it was only one thing? I'm like, I need a few of those needles. Because not just one thing. Boom. Had he responded, he would have been welcomed into the ministry. He would have been welcomed to be one of the disciples to begin to do the work of the ministry. But you can't do the work of the ministry when you're spiritually walking around. I can't even limp right anymore. Like you, I'll be there in a minute, Jesus. Hang on. And then you go, I just need some rest. And so you rest. Rest is important. But it takes more than rest to complete what God is doing in you. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. We just want the needle. I just want the relief. Can I just not be in pain anymore? But he's going, no, no, no. I want to release the pain so that you can do the work. 2 Peter chapter 1. 
Verse 5 says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. What's he doing? It's just one thing at a time. So now the one thing, remember I said, let him do one thing, and then he'll do the next thing? Well, now it's the same thing, but it's good things. You've got to add to it. So now that you're healed, let's add to that a little bit of strength in this area and then a little bit of strength in this area. God's saying, hey, there's got to be some goodness and then some knowledge and then some self-control. He's not like, you've got to do all these at one time. Just add to it. Keep adding to it. Keep adding to it. And you're building strength. There must be an adding to in our relationship with Him and our strengthening to do what He's called us to do. There's got to be an added to Jesus wants to heal these triggers, but when he heals them, there's got to be a point when we put the yoke on. Like Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, right? But there's still a yoke. We don't want any yoke because when you feel, ah, you're like, I'm, I don't ever want to run again because that might happen. But yet there's thing about God built me to run. I feel his pleasure when I run. <laughs> Chariots fire reference for you oldies. I was born for this, but everything in me right now is like, duh, right? His yoke is easy and his burden is light, but there's still a yoke. There needs to be a moment as a disciple when you go, I've taken off the one that was creating the pain, but now I'm putting on your yoke. And I see for us, there's so many people stuck in between. There's some people that still have the yoke of the past, of the trigger. And there's a lot of people that just don't have any yoke right now because you've been resting. Rest is good. But start to strengthen yourself. Start to add to. Because there's a yoke that he wants to put on you. See, if you start feeling the pressure of, I know that I was called to be a worship leader when I was in my mother's womb. But I felt all the pressure of having to be that thing. And so I took that yoke off and I don't want any yoke anymore. But if you do the work... What does the work mean? Just begin to let him heal, first of all. Then begin to strengthen those areas in worship and in prayer. That's where the strength comes from. Worship and prayer. Worship and prayer. Worship and prayer. That is where the strength comes from. Roll over and say, I'm here. And let him touch those places in your heart, just one at a time until the only thing that remains is Him. Father, we pray for everybody here this morning. Those listening to a podcast or watching a YouTube video of this, and even me speaking this, I can feel triggers going on. I know, it happens to me. I pray for the courage to roll over and let You heal those places in our hearts. And I come against every excuse and lie of the enemy that would slip in and say, it's him that's triggering you. That guy that's speaking, it's his problem, not yours. 
I come against every lie of the enemy that hijacked the process of healing. Where as soon as you expose something, here's what happens. When Jesus touches that one thing in your heart, the enemy is right there trying to manipulate and wound again. And I come against that work of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Devil, you're a liar. You're the father of lies. All you do is lie. And we break every agreement that we've made with your lies in Jesus' name. I thank you that you heal and you restore and you strengthen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.